Oh, yes. It's the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show is sponsored by who? Cheshire Impact. These guys are on a mission to maximize your use of marketing automation and CRM. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Love that. My today's guest, he's ready to go. He, he's got his workout routine already completed. He's ready to just lay down some learning. And, I, and I'm so honored to introduce him. He's a CMO, chief evangelist, co-founder of Terminus, one of the fastest growing companies in Atlanta. He's the creator of the Flip My Funnel movement. It's a movement. There's a community. They have conferences. And he's also the host of the Flip My Funnel podcast. Man, there's more, though. There's more to this list. He's also the author of the Account-Based Marketing for Dummies book, which I have here, which I'll show off later. Now, this guy, he is passionate about helping marketers find success, both in their business, but also I know he really cares about the personal side. We talk about purpose. We're going to get into that. I'm an, it's an honor really to call you as a friend, man, and to learn from you today. Sangram Vadre, welcome, sir. Thanks so much, man. I love that introduction. Dude, that is rock solid. There's Hi. more, but I had to edit it. Just, <laughs> there's so much to you. I'm so excited to, to have people meet you. Yeah, man. I mean, probably the one thing that you left out is that, you know, I'm a uh, incredibly lucky husband and a father of two amazing kids. And oh, I love it. That is, uh, that is by far the best thing that I hope everybody would remember me as more than anything. Amen to that, man. I mean, life's moments. And you know what? Kids, they, they keep you on your toes. It's said, they say they keep you young, but they also <laughs> they can make you old too. So, uh, well, this is great, man. Um, I want to remind everyone the theme of this show. You know, we have this roadmap because I know we go way back to the days of Pardot. We were looking at people buying a tool and just using it you know, using a small part of it. And we're like, what's going on here? They didn't have a roadmap. So we made one. We call it the CSI because that kind of an acronym is too good to pass up. (laughs) What it is, it's 10 steps. And each step is a thing you got to do before you do the next thing. And because having this roadmap prevents you from just blasting people, right? Going about it the wrong way. First thing we talked about in January was getting to know your buyer. We progressed into reporting and all sorts of different things. And we've gotten now to the point where, We've talked about the idea of nurturing. We've talked about all these things. We're sort of you know, putting them all together, and now we're really introducing sales into the mix, nice. sales and marketing alignment. And, man, you have so much knowledge on this. So I just want to unleash you to the world, and the best way to do that is to smash some myths. So what would you here, – here's Thor's hammer. What yeah. would you like <laughs> to just smash right off the bat? Dude, let's do it, right? Let's do it. There are, there are so many things that I want to talk about this, but let's just keep it to like maybe two or three things. The number one is more leads equals more revenue. Now, you know, that, that has literally been the truth in the marketer's world. Uh, the CFO, CEO of most companies saying, hey, what is marketing doing? Are the lead numbers going up and to the right? Typically have a spreadsheet by a CFL who looks at, oh, we need more leads, so we'll have more opportunities, so we'll have more revenue. That's yeah. entirely right. You start thinking about that. Forrester came out with a stat in 2015 that smashed it. So I don't even need to say that I'm smashing it. It's literally smashed by Forrester and and many other analysts. Less than 1% of the leads that marketing creates turn into customers. Think about that. Let me pause. This is 2015. Less than 1% of the leads that you as a marketer is creating 
or I as a marketer I'm creating do not drive revenue for their organization, right? If, if that is the true statement based on research, analysts and all that stuff, more leads does not equal more revenue. It's really the right lead will help you get the revenue, but not more. Dang. And this has kind of been a thing that it's been out there, man. This is a deep myth that you're saying that Forrester and that now you're sort of helping them smash it over. This one doesn't die quickly. I mean, this has been, I mean, I think sales helps drive that too, because it's a whole old sales model of, you know, I'll make these phone calls. Yep. Even if no one picks up, you know, I know if I do a certain number of phone calls, it's going to turn into a certain number of deals. Absolutely. And I think it's this been, whole thing needs to get just destroyed. No doubt, man. If you, you, man, you know, we talked about it offline on this five yeah. year epic journey, right? Of, of saying in 2000s email marketing that was the biggest thing that's an exact target remember the days when we used to get 80 90 percent open rate on on emails yeah <laughs> good old days right we still do email but we, most people don't get that no well, uh, five years later marketing automation came about Pardot, eloqua marketo wait because they wanted to solve a problem that like if we can send leads we can capture uh, capture those leads or send emails we can capture those leads Five years later, 2010, predictive came about. Well, the whole reason was because really marketers were getting so good at creating leads that sales teams started to say to your point that, man, you're sending me too many leads that are not the right kind of leads. Send right. me the right kind of leads. So predictive said, we're going to solve that problem. Five, fast forward five more years, 2015, ABM comes to life. Well, uh. the thing is, if you think about email, marketing automation, predictive, all of them are tools. Right. None of them is a strategy. And ABM is a strategy. And I think that's what really is the second myth, if you want to bust through that, is that, look, guys, marketing is no longer about you know, just figuring out how do we get that instant gratification. It's more about that relationship journey and all the things that you and I are, and, and most people know, matters at the end of the day. So the second myth is like ABM is not, not a tool. It's a strategy. And it's really going back to the basics of, Who's your customer? What message are you trying to get in front of them? And it's no longer about the quantity. It's really the quality. Right. I love this because I, I've, I've, I, you're so right. People put the technology first and then if ever comes the strategy and it flip that it's strategy. And I would say strategy process and then technology, love that. you know, but it's don't put the strategy last. Yeah you know, or put the tool first, you got to know what you're doing before you start clicking. And that's how people end up in the trap where they invest in a tool and yep. then it goes nowhere. And they're not sure whether to blame themselves or blame sales or blame someone else. They didn't have a, they didn't have a strategy to follow. No doubt, man. I, I remember like, you know, we remember when we were at Pardot, like, and you were, you know, helping, you know, with a lot of different things and partnerships. And I know you still do a lot of those areas. Yeah. I remember, man, like walking into a sales meeting, and Derek Grant, right? My friend, my, you know, my partner, yeah. the head of DG. sales. Yeah, DG. Uh, he's running, uh, you know, commercial sales right now at SalesLoft. Right. We would always talk about this is when we close a deal, what happens? And, right. and you know, like, oh, Chris, you close the deal. Or Jill, you close the deal. Awesome. And then we would always go back and look at the top, last 10 deals closed. And you would see that there are so many different touch points that drive that engagement. It's right. Kind of ebook it's not like one thing it's all these meaningful touch points so i guess the last myth of all is that well more content does not equal like more value for your customer yeah no it's not the quantity thing 
No longer, man. I mean, you know, I remember, I, and I'll take full fault for this, right? This is who I was, and I've, right. I've tried to change, and I still have, like, a lot of baggage that I'm still trying to clean up uh, behind me. But, man, I did this. Uh, this was 2008, 2009 timeframe where, hey, guys, uh, I was at Internap. I was uh, head of demand generation at that point. We got to have three blogs a week. We got to have one white paper a month. We yeah. do webinars every <laughs> You know, every every quarter, and we need to have a survey. Like it was a checklist of things. Wow! I did that. I'm the one who did that, right? So it's not pointing fingers at anybody. I did that. So now the the market is overcrowded with all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Now you did that because you were thinking, the more effort you put into it, the more it's going to work. Yeah. And you probably were doing things at late at night. Your family's like, come play with us. You're like, I got to get this next email out. Yeah. So you probably, as you, as you really refine things, you've got a chance to even get some more, get some more life back. Totally, man. Like the, yeah. the reality is once you know that it doesn't matter, like, you know, nobody's waiting for my newsletter, like on a website. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> They're not? But to look at the, the, the data and, and get out of your own bubble. Yeah. The reality is, most people don't care about any of those things. They care. This is the other thing I learned being co-founder of, uh, of a startup company is nobody cares about my product. Mm. Or, you know, you think about like, that's another myth uh, that if you want to put it on the table is- Smash it, man. Yeah. I mean, the other one is nobody, nobody in the world cares about your product that you are trying to sell. Really, they don't. What they do care about is their problem that they're trying to solve. And it's like a 180. So as soon as you think about that, oh, so they don't care about my product. They probably don't care about my email, about my new ebook that is about me and how our right. product. We need to create a content that is about them that has those details in it. So that thing just, it's obvious probably somebody listening to this might be like, you know, how crazy and dumb you have been. But I feel like I have been there. No, everyone's done it, but the problem is people, some people are still doing it. Yeah. Uh, I think the worst one for me is getting the email announcing that we've changed our website, right? <laughs> like, even if, if people don't care about your cool, shiny product, they really don't care about your website. Yeah, and you're right about that. Change my website, come see it. Really? Yeah. You wanted to email me about that? Where's that unsubscribe button? Let me go find <laughs> that thing. Click on it. No doubt about it, man. So I know. So those are like the big myths I yeah. feel like around like more content doesn't mean more great marketing. Uh, more leads don't mean, mean more revenue. Uh, ABM is a strategy. It's not a tool at all if somebody's thinking about it. And it's, it's not a buzzword anymore. And, and finally, if you have a checklist of things that you do as a marketer today, you know, we need to get over it and really start yeah. start over and say, you know what? what you know almost try like this is the greatest thing if somebody could try this is that for the next two weeks don't do all the things that you did yeah and see what happens right like uh, i love it it's a hardcore marketing man we're telling people to shake things up yeah so like don't do all the things the stop the nurture program stop the newsletter stop everything that the blog that you're writing and all that stuff and just watch what happens did anybody you know email you back <laughs> yo maybe did anybody care? Did anybody, I mean, you know, it would be yeah. really great. I think, and I think people know the answer to that question. Well, you know, I love this disrupt, shake things up. I mean, we're not here to, I mean, there's plenty of YouTube shows and podcasts. like BS can get out of the way, you know, like I don't, I don't have any patience for it. I know you don't, but what's interesting is you've smashed these myths that are kind of core 
to a lot of marketers. So if we're not going after more leads, more content, I think the answer is, and you started to talk about ABM, tell me, but what is the, the answer? If we're, not, if we're not doing that, what yeah. is the strategy we should be doing? It's a great question, man. I've, yeah. I've truly learned the hard way that the metrics that matter to me don't matter to business. Mm. Let me unpack that for a little bit, right? The metrics that mattered to me was, oh, how much more traffic do I get to my website? Right. The cumulative traffic, right? Or, oh, let me look at the lead score and, and, and figure out all the scores and stuff like that, right? You know, so the things that I felt were so core for my success to show that I'm valuable in the organization sure. actually don't matter to business at all. Huh. So, so it was, it is, it was really heartbreaking, quite honestly, right? Like because we put so much time, energy, effort on all those things, and from a business perspective, it really doesn't matter because there's no correlation between traffic to the website at a very, you know, when you do a press release, yeah, you get a traffic. When you launch something, yeah, do you do get a traffic spike? It has no correlation to necessarily business outcome. So, Are you looking at a lot, like a lot of activity metrics? Is that what was happening? I used to look at like the spreadsheets of 50 different tabs in it with like all <laughs> kinds of things in it. And, and it really dawned on me. It's like, those things really don't matter. What matters, yeah. I've learned now the, the hard way is engagement, you know, is are the right accounts and the people in those accounts that matter to me, are they engaging with me? And that's it. That's, that's truly what it boils down to. And the way when I think about engagement, and it's not like, you know, it's because it's ABM and I love ABM and that's what I'm talking about, but it's really, forget ABM for a second. Like, you just say, that's not even... Now you're the king of ABM, so I love the fact you just said forget about it for a second. It's yeah. crazy. Just listen forget up, people. Yeah. I want to try the accent, but I don't know if I can do it. Forget about it, right? Forget that's about it. it. <laughs> that's the one. So if you forget about it and just think about like, hey, look, what, is, what, what does it matter to your business? As from yeah. a marketing perspective, and and if it matters to your business that your sales team is working on the right accounts, because guess what, their title is account executive. Yeah, so they're working on the right accounts. So your job as a marketer is to make sure that you create as much engagement, as much awareness, as much relationship penetration, air cover, whatever you could to the accounts that matter to your sales team. Again, just like you know, it's a business met metric, right? Right. So. To me, the engagement really came down to, oh, if I know Joe is trying to close these 10 accounts in the next 30 days, if that's what he wants to, he needs to do, if I can create more engagement, I think it almost gives marketers for the first time in B2B an edge where they can go and say, you know what, Joe, I see these 10 accounts that you want to go after. I'm doing all these engagement. I'm running ads. Let's say I'm doing direct mail. I'm doing air cover campaigns, all the stuff that you might be doing. Yeah. Only five of these accounts are actually showing engagement either on the website or on our campaigns that we're doing, or I know only three of them, at least three or more of the people in that account are actually engaging with, with different stuff that you and I are both doing. Sure. You should focus on these five and the other five that you think are going to close. Look at the numbers. None of them are engaging. There's only one person per account that is engaging, which means you're not going to have a really high close rate unless something magic happens there marketers can really have that conversation and guess what? The salesperson is going to give you a hug, you know? Yeah. Right. You know, it's so true. Like that's some valuable information. 
that these people, I know you want to close all of them. These are the ones that are engaging, whether it's with you or not. And I, I actually remember back to a day, you know, Pardot days yeah. of this, uh, this one sales executive that was tracking down CFOs, which is hard, yeah. really hard. Yeah. And, and he kept trying to reach out. He was a CEO of a big enterprise and kept trying to reach out, kept trying to reach out. And the guy would never take his call, was dodging him, all this crazy stuff. But eventually they got, they got a little tracking going on and he was able to see in marketing automation, obviously, that every time he reached out to this guy, he did more research, right? <laughs> he wasn't taking the call, but he, yeah. was, he was looking up the websites and kind of following the clicks and, and, and doing some more investigation. And he stayed with it, stayed on it, eventually met the guy at a golf tournament or something like, but he, he otherwise would have given up on that, you know, because right. he didn't have the insight. So you're right. Marketing can have that conversation that makes us the hero and not that villain who's been sending over a thousand junk leads that you have yep. to sort through. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you said in the end that the role of marketing, right? Is it a hero or what it is? Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know if people, if you have, and if, if people listening are a fan of Donald Miller, um, who essentially wrote the book on uh, the story brand. Who's um, that? What's his name? Donald Miller. Cool. And uh, he, I forget the name of his, I think it's called the story brand is his podcast. Uh, he does like once in a while. And then he also has this book, the story brand. I absolutely love yeah. recommend that book to anybody who wants to understand what he talked about was in this book was an incredible insight. And I'm so glad you mentioned about the role because we have to understand what's our role. What is the role of you as a marketer uh, or even a salesperson in the process? What, what role do you want to play? And it is not of the hero. And his point was- Interesting. You, it's not yeah. the hero. There, are they the hero? What's the- Yeah, that, that is the most- So he, what he did in order to answer that question, he's like, hey, remember, um, you know, let's just take, uh, mm, what's the Hunger Games? You fan of Hunger Games? Yeah, Hunger Games. So in Hunger Games, like, you know, it's, you always have this, the, the, the tension going on between a couple of people, but yep. then there's a guide every time who's uh -huh. taking you on a journey. They're not necessarily the person who's winning, who's in the battle, but they are the guide. You think about Star Trek, there is a guide, right? You, you think yeah. about any, any, any of those movies that have an incredibly epic tale, like you think about Harry Potter, right? You, you think right. Any epic tale in the, in, in the movie world, the stories, what we all love, there is always a guide that is helping the hero trying to get to where they need to go. Ah. And his point was, you as a marketer or a salesperson or a company in general, your job is to be the guide. Because going back to our first point, your customers don't care about your product. That's not why they are engaging with you because your product is some sexy product. Right they are engaging with you to solve their problem. So it is their problem, so you cannot be hero. They need to be the hero. Your customer is the hero. You wanna make them the heroes in their organization. So the role that you absolutely need to really embrace is of a guide. Yes. And when you think about the guide aspect of this, yeah. you're like, okay, as a guide, what am I gonna do? And I think that's just a, I'm, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on it because I know your wheels are turning on this. It's like, sure. what would you do as a guide? should be so different you know I, I love that the idea it's their problem they need to solve it and i think yeah. sometimes we we can get all angsty because we see the problem 
you know, it's almost, almost like when someone at home or some friend shares a problem yeah. and you just want to give them the answer, yeah. but that's not, that's not your place to, to give. They already know the answer. They just need a little guidance maybe, or maybe yeah. you can share your experience with them, right? A little, Absolutely. little you know, experience share. I, yeah, it's their problem. They need to solve it. You know, guiding, I, you know, speaking my language, I love mountain climbing. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we bump into vendors who use the word Sherpa in their name. And I, I don't yeah. think it's the right name guide is the better name and anyone that knows mountain climbing knows that sherpas will actually carry everything for you they won't carry you unless you're injured and dying they might try to carry you then but the guide isn't going to carry you he's not going to help you get up the mountain right your journey to make you need to get there but they're going to point out avalanche danger they're going to point out let's stop here let's acclimate here but they're going to give you all the strategies you need Um, to be able to make the change on your own. That's a really cool idea. Man, I think that was such a mind. I mean, it's a great book. I read it uh, on a flight for within two hours. Easy read. And he literally goes through. Two hours? You like data from Star Trek? Just like all the way through the book? Literally. I mean, it's just a really nice, well-written, like cool. you know, talking to you kind of book. Oh, good. Yeah. And it's like story after story of like, how do you become a guide? How do you, what is the, why should you think about yourself as a guide? And if you're a guide, what are the things you should consider doing? And I just, it it just made me fundamentally think that, oh my goodness, I was trying to be a hero, trying to save the day. No, no, no. That is not who my role is. That's not what the customer wants. Right. <laughs> the customer is the hero. I'm yes. the guide who is, to your point, I love the example of mountain, uh, mountaineering is, oh, I'm, we're going to help you with strategies, you know, maybe yeah. help you with all the different uh, technology you might need within the stack. Uh, and we can point you to who the right partners are. Or maybe we need to help you with how do you put a case together for your CEO to solve a problem. All those things is what a guide would do. A guide wouldn't say, oh, you should do this thing because, you know, I said so, or our feature is the best, or our product is the best. Right. It's a very different mindset. Right. Unless you're going to walk off a cliff, he's going to, it's more of that inquisitive, Yeah. you know, what are you trying to do when you're, or what should you be looking for on this cliff? And you're like, um, avalanche maybe? Then you look, you're like, oh my gosh, there is one, right? So it's like, yeah. it's that guidance and, and inquisition or, or asking questions and, and leading them that way as opposed to, um, making them do it or thinking that you absolutely. could do it for them. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you shucked off and you said, look, you're the ABM King, but you said, just for think for a minute, like yeah. let's be the guide. So now put that, put that cape back on. You are the ABM superhero s- spreading the word and, and sharing that this, this strategy is, is something different. You wrote the book. Yeah. And it probably took a year forever. We'll talk about writing books later, but, yeah. um, there's the book, everyone. It's Woo! awesome. And it's, it's actually easy to read. You mentioned the other book was easy to read. Yeah. This one, you got pictures, you got yeah. drawings and bubbles and bullets and all that. So talk to us about ABM. If I was going to ask anyone, what is ABM? It would be you, sir. So, <laughs> so talk to me about this. We, we, I get it. I'm not going to do this old system anymore. I might yeah. even be daring and try to just stop some of these activities that have been bogus for a while. What should I be redirecting my attention, my time, my energy, my effort, all that toward? Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Thanks for thanks for sharing the book. And again, if uh, maybe if you know we, we can give like you know a few books away. If somebody tweets at us and puts this podcast up there, oh yeah, I'll happy to share like maybe three or four copies. So hit us up, both Casey and Sangram, and, and we'll do that. Cool. Uh, the the best way, you know, and again, it's like I wrote this book in 2015 when ABM wasn't a thing. Right. Oh man. Think of how young we were back then. Yeah. 
would you? <laughs> you had more hair. I had less hair. Like both of them. <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, the, in reality, in ABM was new in 2015 yeah. when I wrote the book. It was about challenging the status quo of both the, the way marketing thinks about it, sales thinks about it, and all those things. And the book is a great, great, great foundation for anybody who's trying to understand all the different things that goes in an ABM strategy. Right. So it's amazing. But, but at that time, initially, the focus was we need to challenge the status quo around this thing. Now I feel most people understand ABM is, is, a, is a good way to do stuff. Yes. And the way that you find ABM now is ABM is B2B marketing. Mm. I mean, that's, to me, is the, the best way I could, I could really, really For talk. doing it right. If you're yeah, doing it right. it right. Because for the yeah. last 15 years or so, if you go through, again, the five-year magic uh, or transformation that happens in the B2B space, we have been so tool focused and it might sound crazy coming from a vendor who two people. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is it's not about even using terminus to do what you do. Stop even thinking about terminus. You don't need terminus to do ABM. Let me just flat out say that too. Right. What you need is a strategy and, and nobody can give you that. That is something you need to create as a marketer in your organization. You need to understand what your tiers are, which companies you need to go after, what kind of sales cycles you have, all those things. And once you know your, your, all the different things that comes with it, now you can leverage technology like Terminus and others to do a really better job of targeting and engaging. And, and that's really what marketing is. So to me, in today's, in, in when I was writing the book in 2015, I said, well, it will become B2B marketing. Yeah. And today, three years later, or three and a half years later, I think, ABM is B2B marketing. If you're not going after the right accounts, the right people in those accounts, I don't know what you're doing in marketing today. You know what? Um, one of the things I heard you say just now was you don't need Terminus. Yeah. You're a co-founder. You're the yeah. CMO. You're the, you're the chief evangelist. And I, I just want to highlight this for people. Anyone that says you need a strategy, buy my thing later, or don't even buy my thing. Just yeah. fix yourself first. That's, that's, someone you can trust right so there are there are people like that that aren't like that out there saying buy my thing don't worry it'll magically happen so anyways kudos for you for being like that i mean there's some integrity there and and that's people should listen to that so so we're switching things up it is so so what is this approach yeah let's let's get into yeah. it right so yeah yeah the best way to, to, if you really want to think about ABM and say, okay, okay, I'm ready to do ABM. Sounds right, going after the right companies, all that stuff. The concept that I want everybody to really, if there's one thing that I would love everybody to take away from this, this, this conversation is the idea of one team. Cool. Okay. One team, which means that sales and marketing should no longer have different goals, different results, different metrics, different measurements, n different teams that are actually doing entirely different things in isolation. Yeah. That doesn't, should just stop existing. And here's the reason why. I'm not just saying this because, oh, I think it will be really cool. <laughs> it's, it's just- Cool hashtag. Yeah. yeah, cool hashtag. It's actually the, the reality of it. And, and the way I came about this was when we started Terminus I, and we raising money and as, as we went through the process, I realized that there is a number on the income statement or balance sheet that says sales and marketing efficiency. And it's really? only one number. Interesting. Which means sales and marketing is tied to the hip in B2B. You mm. don't have two different numbers. So if the sales and marketing efficiency is not at a good level, the marketing budget is cut. 
and the funding uh, that you would typically raise money on. I mean, this is like getting into the idea of like how companies become where they are, where they go, and they, how they, they have, have hyper growth, and how do VCs evaluate and value companies really? from perspective. Let's just you know, use the math, the CFO, the CEO, well, how they look at businesses, how they look at the health of the business. They never look at sales and marketing in isolation. Wow. They look at sales and marketing as one number and they call it the sales and marketing efficiency number. And which is the reason I would bet nobody would say this is wrong. And I would love your thoughts on it. Every time a sales number goes up, your revenue numbers goes up, marketing gets more budget and more resources. True? It should be that way. Right. And every time sales or revenue number goes down, marketing budget, no matter how amazing marketer you are. Oh, oh I see. Yeah. That goes down. That goes down. Your budget gets cut. Your resources get cut. So the, we are, I mean, it's another kind of reflection of the same thing is sales and marketing is one thing. So your CEO, CFO, your board, everybody's looking at it that way. So if you're ever confused, like, no, 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 marketing, we need to have our own flag, lose it, man. Get, mm. get rid of that ego. Like, you know, if you, if you are in B2B and doing marketing, get with the program. The value of B2B marketing in, in B2B, the value of marketing is defined by sales. Yes. Yeah, that, that sales, that sales revenue, that end result. End result. Yeah. So it, it, it's no longer a secret. So as a marketer, does that hurt me a little bit? Yeah, it, it hurts. It pains. I feel like I have more value than that. But I need to be honest with myself. If I'm being B2B, the value of marketing is purely defined by sales. And as the sooner you get it, the better it is. And, and that, that leads to this one team idea is that, well, then how do I work together? How do I make sure that I'm not risking it all and I know what's happening and I'm not always yeah. defending myself or my budget? It's like, well, okay, if it's going to be one number, then we're going to be one team, which means I have the same revenue number as my sales team. I don't have a different number. I don't have a lead number to start off with. I have a pipeline number and the right account number. Yeah. I, I need to focus on velocity of the deals. I need to focus on upserving instead of upselling. Let's just call it upserving. Upserving, uh, I like that. Yeah, those kind of things. Uh, I need to think about not prospects. I need to think about customers and future customers, right? We change vocabularies on those kind of things. And you really start pulling yourself into that one team mentality where you're not having offsides just with marketing team, just coming up with like new grand ideas. You pull your sales counterpart in those meetings and those conversations. And that's the only way I think about it. So one team to me is a fundamental mindset shift that you and I as marketers just truly just need to get a grip on. You know, it's so true. The idea marketing for years we've had, and you even talked earlier, we can kind of geek out on these called interstitial metrics, these metrics along the journey, but that's, they're not the end destination metrics. And so we can get tripped up on them. And it's great. It's like, we're like little scientists doing our experiments, passing off leads to sales, but we can get too wrapped up in our own numbers and we forget about the number, right? The sale, the new customer acquisition, you know, yeah. what's the revenue look like down the road? That's most important. And, and I love it. We're aligning everyone's number to the end one. We can still have our middle ground numbers. We can still geek out and try to optimize conversion rates and all that stuff. As long yeah. as we keep it in the grand context of things, yeah. because we could get a whole bunch of leads in from this thing. And it's highly efficient. You know, it's your point the 80% click through rate and, everyone's signing up and then none of those people convert. Did yeah. we do our job? No. Right. You know, that's, that doesn't count just because no we got leads in, if they're not buying, if they're not good leads or leads that lead to sale, then we're missing the point. 
absolutely, man. You yeah. are me, I mean, it, if people can just, it was really hard. Like, you know, I got to tell you, like, man, Casey, it was really hard when I had that feeling, like, deep down where, like, shit, whatever I do is not necessarily as important if I, if that I feel it's important. What matters is driving business forward. Right. And that's what I'm here for, right? I have to, I have to I have this, this conversation of letting go versus giving up, right? It's like, you know, you, you need to give up all that ego, all that like, you know, me part and, and the thing that makes you better look hero where it's, no, you're not, your job as a market is not to be hero. Right. You your sales team, it's to make them heroes. If you want yeah. to micro concept, how do I make my sales team heroes? Because if you make them heroes, they're going to come say, Hey, I want this team on my side. Right. So it's just going back to like, you just let go of certain things. You know, the customer is the hero. Sales yeah. is the hero. We're like hero makers. Yeah. We are this hero is cool, makers. man. Yeah. It, it, it's, we have like, then everybody will come to you and say, you know what? We need you on our side. And it's no longer, Oh, we're on two different sides. Yeah. Now, see, my brain's going off on a tangent. I'm thinking of all the famous movie hero makers like Yoda and, you know, the the fairy godmother and all these other people who made someone, you know. Yeah, they're the magic creators. They are, we have the ability. Yeah. Yeah, in that sense. Yeah. Huh. Customer, sales, hero, one team. Align the vocabulary, too, is another thing you said. Yeah, I mean, it's, we talk about it's almost like gibberish to each other if we're not aligned, right? We're we're not only looking at different numbers, but we call things differently. Totally right, and that's so. The the other thing that you know I shared was the idea of calling, stopping, stop calling our the people you're trying to sell to as prospects. Mm. Because you think about that is that you know, do you like to be prospected, hunted? Right. <laughs> targeted you know right crushed like you know made by a recruiter but that's about it <laughs> so it's like you know and, and when we, we hunted that. well hold on that's <laughs> hilarious do you like to be hunted yeah i'm not sure anyone's gonna say yeah i love that question and we always talk about hey we were to prospect we're to hunt them down we need to bring them to bear i'm like what is that right you know these are so the, the <laughs> I try to hear it, get our team uh, yeah. about it. like, no, 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 we only have customers and future customers. Right. And, and that's the only way we're going to think about it, which essentially means that we're no longer going to treat people differently just because they're not our customers. Would you send that kind of email to a customer? No. Then why right. would you send that to a future customer? It makes no sense. So the, if, if you're talking about vocabulary, man, that's why I love thinking about future customers as opposed to prospects. Instead of silos, think about one team. Instead of saying upselling and cross-selling, saying that, no, we're going to observe our customers, right? Those things, I think they maybe sound like words and phrases, but to me, they have a deep meaning and your attitude should change with the kind of words we use. Right. You know, and this, this reminds me too of a conversation. And this is an idea that I have. What we call them is also can be how we treat them, right? Absolutely. It's like, think about... Um, Think about people in real life, whether it's race or gender and all these other things, yeah. how we label people can subconsciously Absolutely. be how we treat them. So if we're hunting them, if they're prospects, if they're leads or, you know, whatever, or dead, you know, whatever things we label people, yeah. man, that gets into our psyche. Now, they're not real people. They're just a number on that sheet. They don't have a problem that we're solving. We're not making them a hero. 
We're just yeah. pushing them through that meat factory, you know? Nobody wants that. Nobody yeah. likes that. You won't like it. I won't like it. Why do we why do that to others? So we're on the same page, man. Like think just changing the vocabulary is another way to get get the mindset changed. Right. What's the first step? Right? ABM, I want to crush this. I want to do marketing. I want to do B2B yeah. marketing. Right. What's step one? Because there's a lot of things that, again, even they might be multiple strategies could distract me. So bring me yeah. to square one. So the way we, we kind of structured it around this formula that is cool. super easy to remember and uh, hopefully it's easy to implement. It's not easy to implement, but it's kind of the way to, to, to we have seen a lot of our customers do it. Sure. There's work to it, right? So there's work, but follow this path. Follow this path. Like we call cool. it the fit, intent, and engagement model. Okay. So fit is making sure that you have the right list of accounts that you're going after, because if they're not a fit, then, you know, you, you, no matter what you do after that, it doesn't really matter. Got it. That's when you use tools like, and again, this is another thing. Like I love to share all the technology and tools that we use and we think are great, you know, beyond Terminus because ABM is a strategy, not a tool. Going back to that, right? So it's a combination of many things that you can do. So we use like Bombara, Everstring to, to really help us understand with the fit and intent part of it. So fit meaning, are these, give me the list of companies that fit the criteria that we want to sell to, right? Okay. And two, intent is like, well, of the companies that we want to sell to, who are these companies that are showing intent to buy? Uh. So I know that, now, now, now is game on, right? Now right. activate, now you're like that panther in you know, all that stuff, right? You want to use your yeah. hunting, you, you become wow. a <laughs> Let's do it. You're wild on, right? Yes. That, that's like game on kind of thing, right? So now that you know fit, you know intent, and now it's about engagement, right? Huh. Now start using things like Terminus to do air cover advertising to them, or use video art to do video. We love doing that. Use sales slot, for example, if you want to do email cadences or marketing automation like Marketer or whatever, Farda, to, to do all this. So those are all of your engagement tools, right? So that's kind of the model that we have seen customers use and, and people and future customers use all the time, which is like, if you want to start, don't start with engagement. That's what right. we got wrong for the last decade and a half. That is exactly what we got wrong. Yeah, we've said, oh, let's just put a webinar together. Let's just put an ebook together and let's just drive as many people as possible. We just For who? Yeah. So, so it's really reversing it, which means you have to pause. Mm. You have to think. You have to plan. You have to set structure together and then you go. It's like the, the greatest uh, quote from Abraham Lincoln was like, if you let me, if you ask me to chop a tree, uh, you know, um, and if I have six hours to do that, I'm going to take the first first four hours to sharpen it and then use the last two hours to chop it down. To me, that's ABM. You use those four, four hours to think about what are you really going to try to do? Get everything, sharpen all the things that you need. So when you're about to hit, you know that you're hitting the right tree at the right place and you're going to get the result that you want. I love that, man. Sharpen that ax. It may not take the two hours if you got yeah. a really sharp ax. Yeah. Cut through things, that thing like butter. That's cool. Yeah. Take me to fit. Take yeah. me to fit. Um, there's some tools I can use, but really, what am I looking for? Um, now, what's interesting, some, a lot of companies yeah. know this. They, in fact, they, maybe they have a known universe, but maybe yeah. they should pare it down. Yeah. But some companies, they're just going out. And I, one time, I talked to a, a company and I said, hey, who do you want to meet? And if they had 100 endpoints, is that cool? Well, I'd do it for 20. Okay, well, how about tw uh, 19? Yeah. I'd call them. Would you call them at one? Yeah. I'd, how about zero? I'd still call them. Okay. <laughs> you're not helping. We're not, we're not paring things down. We're not targeting here. Yeah. 
So yeah. how do you how do you talk people through finding the best fit? Like who's that A group to go after? Yeah, so it's a great question, man. And I feel like a lot of unfortunately a lot of companies, a lot of marketers struggle with that, and yeah, and they struggle because we haven't taken the time to look at our existing customers. And I think that's where we see and we ask our customers to go back to, where if you're trying to figure out who you want to sell, well, unless you are a startup with like, you know, two customers or five, you probably have sold and you have some great customers. Well, go back and look at the customers that you already sold to and find out which which segments they are from, why do they like, you know, what is it that specifically they, they really like about your solution? That's solving their problem, not, not yours. So what is it about them and what's the characteristics of that? And we ourselves went through that process and we're like, oh, we thought this would be good, but it wasn't. Hmm. When we went back and looked at our customer, of course it wasn't. Like we, we, this is the set that we work with. So every company has customers that, that, that probably is thinking about the AB, unless you're a new business uh, company. And we should be able to damn well be able to go back and look at our customer base and say, you know what? I want more of that. Yeah. Whatever the more of that is, is that's when that's the begin. That's where you go and say, okay, how do I find more of that? That's the fit. I mean, it's so simple, but yeah. it's true. I, I wonder if do we just not want to talk to our customers because I mean, you know, customer um, or buyer profiles or personas and all these things have an interview called your buyer, but it, it, are we trying to just, I don't know. Well, I don't know what holds us, holds us back, but it's so, it's like, it's right there staring yeah. us in the face. It's the people that already bought and are loving the thing. Yeah. Not like kind of, they're like on board. They want the t-shirt. I'll send you a t-shirt, right? It's like, yeah, who are those people? Let's find more of those. Man. I, I love that. You said even things like, you know, we, I sometimes do it myself. I go to the G2 crowd and look at all the reviews that, that we have. And I look at like, those are the kind of customers I want because they took the time to go to G2 yeah. Cloud to say something. doesn't matter what they said, good, bad, ugly. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that they care enough to do that. If they right. do care enough to do that, man, I want to talk to them. And I want, so I would a lot of times ask them to be on my podcast. When I see somebody reviewed, I will ask them. And it's not to talk about Terminus. It's to talk about, oh, why, you know, how are you thinking about it? What is, what makes sense to you? And, and right. It's so you don't even have to really talk to a, a human if you are so averse to talk to a human, but you, sure. you should. But there's data and information all over, all That's around, point. all around you. Like how many times people go to G2 crowds and others to like just look at all the different people. Go to your competitors if you think there is a competitor in your space. Look at their reviews and see what they like and who are those customers. Man, that information is so rich, so rich. Yeah, that, you know if you take the time. You actually can nail down your messaging because they will tell you what you're good at. You will yeah. your like the next campaign or next kind of feature that you should create in your product because they tell what your product doesn't have today that solves right. their problem. It will tell you the, what kind of companies you should go after because it will tell you why it works for healthcare or whatever it is. Right. And, and it's just rich information. Man, you know that reminds me, um, Drift. I know you know the guys over there in their podcast. Great friends. You know, DC and all the guys. Uh, one of the things they did recently or recently in recent memory was they blew up their whole product roadmap Yeah. because they heard from so many customers because they were engaging and talking yeah. to them and having these conversations. They heard like, this is the feature that I need. I need yeah. this. I want this. If I get this, I'll be your BFF forever, you know? And they said, well, hold on a second. Everyone wants this. Why are we doing all these other things? Like, yeah. 
everyone wants this feature. Let's yep. do this. So they yep. blew it up, made a big deal of it. They blew up the whole product roadmap. They yep. said, we're doing the feature you want next right. and it's coming out like next week. It's crazy. Right. I mean, look, I mean, I know DC and DG and all that. I mean, it's, it's amazing what they're doing. And I feel like that's the new marketing, right? That's the new business strategy. And I, I know like if you are working for IBM today or GE today and listening to this, well, you said, well, that works for Drift. That doesn't work for <laughs> and, I, and I get that, right? True. The market enterprise, maybe established company, you know, it's, it may be, they're a marketing company. So of course they're doing a lot more marketing buzz and they're doing it right. Um, and, and we believe that we're doing some of the similar things that is allowing us to grow. And, but if you're not a marketing company, you are a healthcare company selling to doctors or stuff, maybe you're not going to do it that way. But the power of listening, which is what you and I are talking about right now right. is and, and leverage that because you totally can. I love that. So have the conversation, listen, or just pull the data and listen to what that's saying. Use that to find the right fit. Boom. I love this. I got my fit list now. It's in my little satchel. Now, now there's intent. Yes. What do I do with my fit list? Oh man. Am I waiting for who's getting intent or am I, what am I doing? At that point, man, that's, that, that is like the, the point where you're almost ready, but not yet. Right. Okay. It's like the, the idea that let's say, let's say there are a hundred people who download an ebook on your website. Okay. Typically what we have done for years and people are doing still is we'll give all of them hundred to the sales team. <laughs> I know. You know, maybe that hundred download doesn't really matter who they are, oh, like are they ready or not. Like we just waste our sales teams, and that's why they hate us. That's why they don't work on the leads, right? Because we're not giving them leads in the right accounts that they're working on. So to be fair, they ask for them too. But they don't yeah. know any better, and they don't know any better because they they just don't know what yeah. else, right? So everybody has to rethink what to ask for, but also what are we sending? So right. we have trained the salespeople for leads, so that's why they ask for. Right. So instead of that, imagine if you could say, you know what? Okay, these are the 9,000 companies. Let's just pick a number that fit the criteria that we, our product can serve them the best. Our product can solve the problem that they're trying to solve in the best way possible. We know that, right? So there are a couple of options. Either you wait, twiddling your thumbs all day long and, and, and say, you know what? Maybe they would find us by themselves or you essentially start almost looking at that. And that's where we use Bombara which is allows us to show intent, which means if anybody mm -hmm. from those companies are looking for any phrases, even close to the product or the solution or the problem that we solve, then I know it's a trigger for me to kick on my engagement gear, right? That's when I would go super high on engagement. Now, if you don't have enough triggers going on, if there's not enough intent, then you can still go and start pre-awareness and, and start getting engagement and, and running some, campaigns on the fit one but the best results are when you're connecting with someone when they're looking for something and you and that's really where our most of our customers sees tremendous success so this this power of knowing who these people are seeing what they're doing and making sure that you're engaging with them and not letting that go because that's the waste of everything that you've done so far that's interesting i, I get it now because at first the, the thought was well i've got my list of people let me just go after them yeah but yeah, I even forgot the word too, but intent, I, I use that word all the time with AdWords, you know, yeah. or people searching on Google. When you're searching yeah. Google, you have an intent to find something, right. find it, find an answer, find a sports stat, whatever it is, yep. there's an intent. And that's why Google's bajillionaires, trillionaires, because yeah. they figure it out. servicing intent, yeah. there is a display ad 
or maybe just a print mail to everyone in Nashua, New Hampshire, yeah. you're just blanketing everyone very ineffective or not as ineffective as those with intent. And so it makes total sense to then take, start with your master list. You've refined it, but then of that list, who do we want to prioritize? It's like prioritizing, right? Ah, we're, we're trying to figure out who do we go after first? You know, yeah. and let's not ignore the people that are actively seeking solutions because for sure they will gobble this thing up a lot faster than yeah. everyone else. Yeah. That makes sense. You know what? That is the, the word that you use, Casey, like that is the perfect word prioritize. Yeah. I think that's really what ABM and the best engagement strategy is, is how do I help? Like we can do so many things. We can, our sales team can do so many things. They can send so many emails. They can work on so many different accounts. But imagine if you're able to help your sales team and say, hey, you know what? I know you have 50 accounts on your plate right now and you're trying to figure out what do I do with them, right? Right. Let me tell you the 10 accounts that you should really go double down on. Yeah. And here's why. They have fit and they have intent. Now let's go engage. Game on. Right. I think one team. Right. So that that level of a conversation is game changing. You know, and that ties in beautifully with marketing automation, too, because I think of the people that maybe had a tent initially, but they said or you had a conversation and they said, uh, call me in six months. Right. Yeah. When I when I hire my person or when I do whatever I need to do, call me in six months. You don't know if they're they just giving you like a friendly brush off or they really are planning to hire that person and they just need yeah. that to happen. So you might be waiting that to occur but if you're nurturing them if you're if you're giving them information you if you're listening for that that yeah. intent right if you're listening when they start surfacing and they start showing that intent again you'll be there to then say hey you're one of the ones you're in my my fit list and now you have intent but yeah. game on to your point totally man i think yeah. that's where the 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 biggest gap that i think you and i have seen in the marketing automation space now is that we assumed Everybody who downloads an ebook is a fit. Interesting. Yeah. That was the problem. That is the problem of the, the, the volume war. We assumed that anybody who downloads my ebook has clearly the intent, so also is a fit. Right, right. We went backwards. We said intent equals fit. And it's, right. it's not the case. It could be that student doing research. It's classic. Yeah. So that's the assumption that we all mm. ran our marketing programs on and the conversion numbers on is that intent equals fit. And that's not the case. You, you have to know who the fit is. As a matter of fact, here's the truth. Like I'll give you a real example. We get inbound inquiries all the time, right? Yeah. There's a tougher criteria on inbound inquiries if, they do not, if that company is not on the fit list. Yes. Because that company who took the time to come and submit a form, you know, normal common sense says, yeah, we should jump all over it because clearly they found us and they should be, but why are they not on the fit list? So our mm -hmm. inbound would actually go in and discover, oh, did we miss them? Oh no, right. we didn't miss them. they actually are a maybe much smaller company in an area that we're not. So we will actually have more qualification questions for companies that come through inbound that are not on the fit list because you don't want to waste our sales team's time. Totally. So the intent and fit is such an important, it, 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 if you reverse it, you, you, you can easily get it all wrong. And I see that it's like a feedback loop too. We have our fit list. People come in, we qualify the shit out of them. And if they still pass, let's go ahead and revisit if they should be on that list or not, or yep. why are they, why aren't they continually evaluating your fit list so that you're not, you know, because I think people, it can be scary to then 
take a put a flag in a fit list and then nobody else really we're not saying that we're just saying focus prioritize absolutely absolutely man i'm I'm so glad we're talking about this fit in 10 and that we can go on this like forever because i think you just nailed it like why is that and that is the reason we assumed everybody who engages with us is a fit and and that may not be true guilty right guilty (laughs) uh i'm guilty of it but people I'm a, I'm a misdemeanor offender, but there are some felonies out there for sure. And you, if you're listening to this, you know who you are, but no, no one listening to this show is ever that much of an offender. Uh, so fit intent. And now it's the fun one, man. Yeah. Now it's time to engage. So engagement is like, now this is where, this is where we get to be marketers again, right? Like, <laughs> like a strategy. It's like, Oh, hopefully, you know, we'll get to do our things, but this is the part where you get to have fun. This is the yeah. part where you get to have your creative juices flowing and like, okay, now that this, that we know the fit, we know the intent. Now what, what can I do to engage with them? And that could be as simple as getting back on the direct mail and making sure that, you know, we, we have a reach out to her or get working with sales team and, and or creating a webinar that is, let's say let's say you find that oh we're getting interest in financial services maybe the webinar that you do next is about how do we help financial services companies to do x and then you only invite those 15 or 20 companies and if five of them show up boom because that's what you want i mean i've I've done this before and if you if people who are listening to this and i don't know if you have ever looked at it we used to get like at part 700 800 people registering on a webinar right it was right but then if i truly look in my heart and say okay how many of them actually fit over like you know tier one tier two tier three probably maybe 30 or 40 of wait of how many like 30 or 40 out of you said seven eight hundred yes seven eight hundred I look at tier one accounts that our sales team wants to sell to. Yeah. We absolutely want to go and crush them. These are the deal making deal things. Others may close at some point. So it's was like a warming up thing. Right. Really the tier one account that really, it's probably maybe 30 or 40 accounts. Yeah. Right? Wow. So and it makes sense because like part of for people listening, yeah. it's not like $2. This thing is powerful. Right. It starts anywhere from thousand on up a month. Yeah. So not everyone on that, on that attendee list has the budget, has the pockets. They may be students, they may be something else. So that's an interesting ratio, 330 or so yeah. out of seven to 800 or so. Wow. A lot of them were agencies. They were just learning because oh, they were doing yeah. a better job. A lot of them were like, you know, solo entrepreneurs who were just trying to understand how can I, I do it myself using MailChimp, right? Like, I just want to learn from you so I can do it myself at a cheaper rate, right? <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with that. No, but, yeah. But, the reality is that we needed to take the time to look at it and that did they, how many of them had the fit? We get there is intent, but how many had the fit? And if you did that math, we would probably find very little of them or very few of them actually looking at this. So to me, it's not truly not about volume. Now the reverse of it is, okay, we have 15 companies that we absolutely know and they all are in this financial services sector. Let's just assume that now I can do a webinar and a blog post and a ebook all focused on making sure that we have something really solid for these financial services companies. Right. And now you're talking about real work, right? From a market yeah. perspective, low volume, but very high return on your investment. And that's what real marketing is all about. You know, it's awesome because low volume, high return is actually way more effective, way more efficient, yeah. more productive, more profitable, more everything. Yeah. You know, it's like pay, you know, pay less, get more. Right. I mean, that's 
that's what we're all trying to do anyways. I love the idea of the fact that, well, first of all, I, we keep going back to fit and, it, and it's amazing. But the idea of 30, 80, that, that's a great example of why you've got to do the fit. Yeah. Because if you have 800 people go on your webinar, and it's not a bad thing to your point. Hey, we're both yeah. teachers at heart, right? We love teaching people. We'll inspire, we'll teach. And then if we taught you something you can use, great. Maybe one day you'll use our products or services. Maybe not. Yeah. But we'll teach anyways. That's why we do podcasts and we love yeah. this stuff. So we're teaching people. But next step, when we're talking about engagement, there's that group of 30. We need yeah. to give them some love. And, but targeted love. And I love the idea of activities focused on that fit. Yeah. You know, no longer just doing the white paper to do the white paper. Do this yeah. random, you know, that generic stuff that nobody likes. It's like you're trying to please everybody. And you yeah. please nobody. Nobody, right? It's a random act of marketing. Is, <laughs> is what yeah. I like to, like to think about. It's like all random acts of marketing. All sounds like we're doing busy and everybody's busy. We, everybody has few people. Uh, I mean, if, if anybody says, hey, I got a lot of people, then, you know, we should have a conversation with them. But most people say we have less budget. We have less people. We have a lot more to do. And the question is, why is that? Yeah. Right? Because we're creating more blogs and we're doing these eBooks and we're trying to create more, more quote unquote demand. But if you really stop all of that, going back to what we talked about a few minutes ago, is that what if you just stopped everything that you're doing? Who's going who's gonna to cry? Right? Who's going to be upset? Are you gonna, and if the deal size and if you're closing the same amount, then you, you probably should really, really think about your own job. But reality is, you know, who's going to cry? If nobody's going to cry, then why are you doing that? So I think all that really comes down to are you, and you use that word, uh, Casey, which I love, and it might be a simple word, but it's really important is that helping people prioritize yeah. what you need to focus on both marketing and sales is game changer because you truly can focus on the right things. Yeah. And you focus on the right people. And I got to say, I've experienced some of this and I, I would love to hear you just your thoughts on the focus, but I got to share, um, Terminus. I remember one time going to uh, maybe it was a flip my funnel event. By the way, coming up in Boston, we got them all over the place. And um, I went to the event, and uh, one of the people on the team had um, had like a mason jar mug. Yeah. And they had put my logo in like tape on it. Like oh, that's got to be Amanda. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And I'm like, dang, that's that's my logo on yeah. on a mug. You can't do that for 800 companies. Right. You can do that for 30, you know? Right. And, you, and so when we talk about this is the fun stage, if you're doing the fit and intent, you can have way more fun doing the marketing stuff than you ever thought you could because you can do all these really cool things that, so like make people's day. Yeah. They talk about it. It's like your logo on a cookie. Like how did you even do this? Well, because yeah. we focused on you because you're the right fit for us. We hope we're the right fit for you now too. And yeah, yeah. Tell, tell me more about that. Like how, how you need maybe some, some, even some of the cool things that you guys do at Terminus or yeah. how do you really engage that, that fit and intent list? Man, that's the, the you, you're talking about doing the unscalable things is how I, how I think. Unscalable things. Yeah. It's, it's the unscalable things that, that when you do that, they matter. And that's why they're unscalable because if you scale, <laughs> it won't matter as much. Yeah. So it's really the unscalable things. Like, you know, if you know, if you know that that's all you got, these are the 30 accounts that I got and I know who, who are these people. And if I can do those things, they would actually give me a chance. And, and remember, like you remember that, that interaction, that conversation, yeah. that effort, like how many emails do you get every day that you don't even remember? Right. So you right. remember from like two years ago that that thing happened. So 
that's remarkable. It was two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> memorable, right? And, and yeah. absolutely matter. So, so things that we do is like, that's why I wrote the book, right? It's like one of the greatest giveaways that we have. It's not typical tchotchkes. It's actually a book. A book. We wanna, yeah. We want to help you learn doing it because we wrote a book on that stuff, right? So there you go. That's, that's the one. So, it, you know, that way we, we just try to redefine it. We just don't want to give away like flyers and like print yeah. out material and just pens and stuff. I mean, it's, it's there just for the sake of it, but it's not the main thing. The main thing is we're giving away a book or we're giving away a, a set of things that people absolutely would love it and, and, and want it. Um, direct mails, a lot of the direct mails that we do today, in addition to our advertising, are those kind of things. We use PFL to do that. We also use Sendosa. Uh, that allows you to do some Amazon gifts through it, right? So, what's it called? Uh, Sendoso. They they allow you to do Amazon gifts. So imagine if you're talking to your future customer, Ooh. right? And say, oh man, or or you're browsing through their LinkedIn profile, and you know, oh, they are, um, you know, they they are the Yankees, you know, big fan, right? Like yeah. they do all kinds of crazy stuff. Like there is a game coming up or stuff like that. You just go on Amazon, buy something of the Yankees logo and just ship it to them. You don't have to worry about anything. Give your salesperson that, that budget to do that. Let's say they send it for 25 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever, but it's for the game. It's something that they care about more. Like that's a personal thing. And you just send them like stuff like that, that our reps are have full authority to do that because you need to connect with people at the emotional level and not being creepy, but things that they're publicly putting out there. Uh, and, and then that will allow you to then have at least an opening conversation with them. And that all those things matter. This is the really best time to be a marketer. It is the greatest time that I believe in the history of marketing from Don Draper's time to now. It's like we get to do really cool, fun stuff, uh, but it only, we can only do that if you're doing unscalable things like that. You know, uh, I love that. And as, as we're talking, it was so simple that I had to laugh. The idea of, Hey, it's unscalable things. They, you, yeah. they just don't scale. Yeah. Yeah. But they matter and they're yeah. memorable. Yeah. And, and typically based on budgets, you can only do them yeah. if, you're, if you're really targeting, but you know, what's funny. I've seen the people that try to do the memorable things, try to do the big giveaways at trade shows that are, that are the unscaled. They, they scale it though, but they spend yeah. so much money. Yeah. Imagine if we got, I think one time I got a, um, I got a, I got a drone from, uh, we're Cato. Yeah. And, uh, that's cool. But there's some other things where there's some massive thing. What if you had given all 800 of your attendees yeah. some memorable massive, there goes your whole marketing budget for the whole year. If you even have yeah. that, you, you yeah. just don't, you can't yeah. do it. And if you do, cause you're some crazy VC firm and you just dropped all this money, it's so wasteful and it, and it doesn't work. Yeah. Imagine if you, if you instead you take that money that you would have spent, even if you don't have that money, let's say you yeah. have, I think this is the idea too. If you have a set amount of money, but instead of, putting it to everyone. Yeah. I mean, the reason we're talking about Amazon gifts is because I mean, the dot, dot, dot is if you're not spending money on everybody. Yeah. Now you can use that same budget for the 30 people we were talking about, you know, it's something cool. They're going to remember, you know, what, what this also is like the myth, right? One of the myths that I hear all the time is, is yeah. to, you know, smash that again is ABM actually cost me more money. That's like the greatest myth of all time. That seems like a myth. Yeah. Because ABM is because they feel like there's so much work in it. Like, well, the work is upfront work. Your brain sales is the work, which you get paid for anyway. Okay? Yeah. 
you know, to figuring out who to go after, what is my strategy and what I do, it's actually costs less money because you're going to do more things, more valuable things with less people. It actually is saving you money. So laugh our customers, they tell us like just for advertising aspect of what yeah. we they would come and say, hey, we want to, we have $30,000 to spend on uh, advertising to these, you know, 50 companies. And we're like, well, because we're so targeted, we're like, well, we, we probably can spend like 5,000 of that. And they're like, yeah. holy shit, where do we go? So we're going to go <laughs> somewhere else. What and, do we spend the other 25 on? Yeah. Right. And so they got a budget to meet. So they're trying to spend the money. Right. So, so we know if you do ABM, you're actually going to be more effective and efficient with your budget. And you're going to be able to do these unscalable things that cost time, cost money, cost effort. But you, when you do that, the return is a conversation like this, where it's two years from now, remember something you did for them and it's going to be memorable. Yeah, absolutely, man. It making, making people's day, making memorable exchanges and into your point, building real relationships. And then when it comes time to talk to sales, yeah, man, it, uh, you're continuing that like authentic conversation. You, you're focusing because they're focusing sales too is more focused. You know, they're not having to field calls from different industries or whatever the case may be. They know they can focus their attention and, and they, they can even probably reference back to some other people that fit beautifully and are happy to talk to other people. Yeah. Oh, dude, let me give you a quick example. Yeah, on yeah tell me. So, uh, you know, I'm like big on LinkedIn, uh, like, you know, every time you did with the, the dating man, the, 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 there's so much great content getting created. So I just literally post every day, something from the, from the podcast. Now, what happened was I met at, at, I was at a B2B exchange conference and I met, um, a rep from PFL over there. Okay. Yep. And he said, thanks, man. You helped me meet my quota. And I'm like, what? what, what, what are you talking about? My sales team doesn't say that to me. <laughs> yeah. Know? You know, how did that help you meet your quota? He's like, man, you wrote a quick post on, um, on LinkedIn around why people should use this high tech plus high touch. And in high touch, mm -hmm. they should use direct mail. So uh -huh. the high tech, high touch combination is really, really good. And people should, should do that. And I got, for whatever reason, 60,000 views, like 100 plus comments. So it's lit. So, <laughs> but what he did, this is the best part. What I did was, was he did an amazing part. What he did he went through each one of those hundred comments. He looked at every single person who liked or commented on it, <laughs> went and matched it to his fit criteria and saying how many of them fit the criteria because they have clear intent. They like what, what people have to say around that uh, about high touch, uh, yes. with high tech. So he looked and matched it to fit. He came up with a list of accounts. He sent each of them that made met that criteria a direct mail um, and said that, hey, what you... Uh, kind of re responded to Sangram's comment. Here is a direct mail to you that is directly connected to this this conversation that we had on wow. LinkedIn. And he made five of those appointments turn into deals. Wow! Now you think about that. That is engagement, right? Going yeah. back, to like why engagement matters is not just on your website and stuff. Is that engagement matters, and it could come in any form. So if you're a sales rep or a marketer listening to this, imagine that. Like think about: Are you a sales team? Like doing that? Are you marketing, enabling them to do that? Are you really looking at engagement that's happening on your brand or, or content? I mean, that's, that was just a beautiful example. I just gave him a big old hug. I'm like, that's made. Uh, you know, you just so cool. You know what? That kind of a conversation, doing the unscalable things is I think what gets through the noise 
when everyone's getting inundated with the fake, um, you know, this more scalable fake, you know, no intent type mass market blasting. Yeah. It's clear. It's not, you don't really care. You're not really trying to help me. You don't even know who I am. Yeah. That kind of thing. Like people can smell that and they auto delete, you know, it's like delete before you read, but these other messages get through because it's crazy to think, Oh wow. I mean, this is, this is for me because of that LinkedIn post or whatever the case may be. It really is a game changer. Yeah, totally, man. And he just like, it was amazing. He took the time. I mean, that is the goal. It's not the money. He took the time to figure out what to do with the right. He did not just send it to all hundred of them. He could have done that if he just intent was the only thing. He, He took that and matched it to his fit criteria that he had. And he said, oh, these are the people that actually do the fit, clearly have the intent, game on. And he took the time because he had the time. Because yeah. he wasn't going crazy with all the people that weren't a good fit. Yeah. This is cool, man. Who are you? You are, you are on stages. You're just in Toronto. You've got a book. You're moving and shaking and changing. And I know, you're, I know you care because you go to a Flip My Funnel event. You sneak some things in there that you're trying to help people find their purpose, trying yeah. to you know, live you know, authentically and do great marketing. So like, yeah. Where did you come from? Where did all of this that made you come from? Yeah, man, I, I, I love that, that question. And yeah. you know, uh, I, I, like, I feel like I, in the last thing, you have known me for a long period of time. I have. So conversation, like, I don't think when you saw me at Pardot, you would say, Sangram, this is who you are. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I probably You're had- You're just a marketer. <laughs> just marketer, just doing my Cool, thing. dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're the marketing guy at Pardot and- I mostly talk to all the salespeople. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so I feel like in the last three years, I just found a new part of me that I didn't know it existed. Wow. And, and I just really feel like, you know, super high pumped energy because I really do care about this, this problem. Right. I really do. And, and at the end of the day, I feel like the way I've started to define myself is that I'm like a, like an accidental evangelist. Yeah, that's wow. if, if you were to like, you know, who are you? I feel like that's who I have. I've become is like, I did not plan this stuff. I did not right. like, I, like I care about people buying Terminus and, and, you know, I have a stock in it and I, you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. you know, do a good place with all the sacrifices of my wife and all the time that I put in it. But, you know, I, I really do care about solving a bigger problem. And I think that's what life is about. It's, it's not about just gadgets and widgets. It's more than that. Right. So, I personally feel like, you know, I've, I've learned so much in the last three years about myself that I've not in the last 36 years. And, and it has been, it has been an, an incredible personal journey of like finding myself, self-reflecting on things like letting go, giving up, like those kind of things. Or, you know, what's really important? Is it title or is it the impact that you have? Yeah. And, and those kind of things, uh, I, I just have found that, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a better man when, when I focus on the right things. Absolutely. And, and you have a lot of those things, right? So it must be really interesting to say, well, now that I have it, is that really what makes me happy or is it this other stuff, you know? Yeah. Now it's a, you know, long time ago, my goal was to like, I want to be a CEO of a billion dollar company. Where did this start out? Have you always wanted to do that? You know, take me back. Were you a little kid? Were you like selling stuff in the neighborhood and no. like, all that kind of thing? Or I was not. I'm, and Who's I'm little not, Sangram like? Yeah. <laughs> Well, little Sangram, my mom and dad will say that it was really annoying. Uh, really? 
Yeah, and would always want to do stuff, run around. And um, I was in a Boy Scouts equivalent growing up in India. Yeah, me too. And I was in camps all the time. I loved camps. Yeah. Uh, like the camps was my my life. Uh, that's where. I, the, and the reason was I was the youngest of all the five kids in our family. So mm-hmm. I, when I go go to school, um, everybody, all the teachers knew all of my brothers and sisters. <laughs> So, uh, you know, that could be tough because they already know the history of your family. Yeah. Like, you know, my oldest brother was like, like the, 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 the nicest guy in the world. The other brother was like always in top five. One of my sisters was the amazing in sports. She played volleyball. Oh, geez. And another sister was like amazing in arts and crafts. So like, so here walks Sangram, the fifth and the last in the family. And, you know, like nose running, not even putting his tie properly. And, oh, no. And yeah. And, and, and like, so I'll, I felt like a failure from day one because there was nothing that I could do to top any of yeah. them. How do you top, you know, four other brothers and sisters that are crushing it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I joined the Boy Scouts uh, equivalent in India. And it was like life changing for me because I could get away from, from the school, from all these things and be in my own element and, and be with people that none of my brothers and sisters have ever been with. And I found mm-hmm. peace there. I found, like, I learned about leadership there. I learned about, you know, relationships there. You know, all the things that uh, Boy Scouts kind of, kind of teach. So to me, it was always finding the other part that was really good. So it was by accident, like, because it wasn't something. So I always felt like in life, it's really been accident. Then, you know, I came to, came to the States because- well, my Hold on, what was Scouts like in India? Because I did it over here. Yeah. Did you have the same badges that we do or is it a little different? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, it's, it's the same, same thing in terms of like you earn badges, you go to camps, you learn stuff, you put a camp tent together. Um, you learn how to, to, to have leadership skills and teach yeah. all drills, all those things. So it's very similar in that nature. Uh, and my son is now in Boy Scouts over here. So oh, cool, man. Awesome. So I'm like one of the den leaders. So uh, Is he like Cub Scouts now? Because my son's not old enough yet. We're waiting yeah. for Tiger Cubs, but eventually we'll get him in there. Yeah, he'll be in third grade. So I think he's Cub okay. Scouts. He'll, he'll get to the next level. So I'm, I'm living and seeing that part through him. Oh, man. And, and, it, it, and I think almost every kid should go through something like that because it's such a good, refreshing way to look at life. Right. I mean, you're, you're learning all these skills that – you know, hopefully you don't never need to use them accidentally, but, but also you can just go enjoy nature and go yeah. enjoy, you know, the camaraderie of sitting around a fire with someone. Yeah. I mean, how do you top that? Right. Yeah. Like you, you can't, which is why I'm thinking like, how do I get Sangram out camping with me? I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it, man. I'm doing it Friday <laughs> with my son. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. But you know, that, that part is, uh, I, I, you said like, you know, maybe you don't need it, but I feel like we need it more than ever. Yeah. right those skills right the the part of like you know going and starting a movement or around something accidentally again requires you to have the courage to fail yeah. and courage to stand up when nobody is there standing around you right true you know? so all those things are something that i feel like i learned a lot from boss scouts that's cool man i mean we can geek out on scouts for like hours but that's really did you ever work at the camps too eventually or do you just attending them no like Actually, like for eight years, I was like, you know, all the way from school to engineering, like yeah. I was in, in the scouts uh, because wow. that, was my, that was my out, right? Because I didn't want to be in this school. I didn't want to be at home with my family all the time because these are all like stellar brothers and sisters who wants to be around all these superheroes, right? Right, you know? right. 
like great like i would be my own thing right as a kid so i always tried to find a place where i could feel myself yeah. and not be judged not be compared or like prejudged against all the history of your yeah. so it sounds like you found your own place where people could just know you for you and it wasn't based on any other people yeah. they've ever known that's cool man and so what you went to school for engineering after that or yes how did that how did that work so i did that i did my bachelor's in engineering in india and then i came here to do my masters um cool university of alabama so that was that was a lot of fun alabama they got a great football team dude they it's insane i still remember like going to school and and you could listen you could listen in the dome and the, the, the music and the game like wow. there's no no way any school is happening when the games are on so it was a lot cool you know my my uh my school didn't have a football team so i've always pondered the idea of getting an mba or just some kind of degree at a school with a football team just so when it's college football season i have someone that'd be like yeah it's my team yeah. and i was thinking alabama always wins so i'll just do like some online course from alabama and be like yeah it's my team you know i'm sure i'm sure you would be more than happy to have you man like that'd be cool cool okay so you you, you did that master's computer science right or is yeah. that or yeah okay and because you're like hey i did that too i'm like let's go to geek land and then yeah. you realize what change changer so, so here's the first of all, I just felt like, man, master's was awesome. And I learned a lot, especially being like 25. And for the first time, yeah, in the States, it was a lot of really amazing experience. What I found was there was a lot of electives when you do master's yeah, as opposed to your bachelor's. And I ended up choosing all the electives in which it was more of a presentation. And the funniest thing I found was all the engineering friends that I had, they all wanted to geek out on developing stuff that I'm not, well, I wasn't really good at developing. Yeah, right, me too. It's really bad. So they would just always say, we want Sangam in our group because he can present and, and, and talk about, you know, wow. what built. So all I really did for the most part in the second year of my master's was present and literally a week before, all right, what are you guys working on? Okay, here's what, what are we doing? Do some research, okay, and, and just talk. And they would be sweating because, you know, they, they, do, they would be afraid to be on a stage kind right. of thing. And I would just love that more than anything. Right. Uh, it, was, it was just awesome. That's when I learned that, oh, that is my gift, that I can be okay in the most uncomfortable situation, not knowing everything, and be still be okay to share whatever I know and have put some passion and thought in it. Uh, and not not be afraid of it. So that was cool. That's interesting. It's almost like that was your prep work yeah. for all these presentations you're doing now. Yeah, you know? it, it just it just feels it felt home, right? You know, I just yeah. I'm always nervous before I go to go on a stage, but when I'm on stage, I feel like I, I belong here. So right. it was it was it was a lot of lot of awesome learning. But even then, at that time, I remember um, you know was I joined Deloitte Consulting as my first job. And that was that was a lot of fun because it just we traveled all over the world. A lot of travel, but man, that's a big shop. That's a that's a that's a hell of a place to go. For well, sure. I mean, what's interesting about that was I was the first one to be in the master's pro from the master's program to join Deloitte from Alabama. Really? Yeah, and the reason was because they were all always hired bachelors uh folks because they would work for like thirty six thousand dollars or something like that. <laughs> And masters would ask for like 48 or something like that. So when I found that out, I'm like, I don't care how much you pay me. I just right. want to work for you. Yeah. So that's how I got the interview. And they were like, yeah, we'll hire you. But are you sure you're okay with 36? You're like, 
dude, I'm an immigrant. Like, you know, put me ramen noodles and, you know, in a cottage and I'll be fine. Like, I, don't, yeah. I just want experience. So yeah, give, give me at bat, you know, put me on, put me in coach or whatever. Yeah. You know, like I want to, I want to play. Yeah. Money, money is not the driver there. So I, I feel like those are like some really interesting lessons from again, boy scouts and stuff. Like you don't worry about those kind of things. Like money would come if your heart and passion is at the right place. Right. Right. And then from there into Pardot or a couple of their steps and eventually. Yeah. So there, after there, a couple of other things. Um, and Adam, you know, uh, Adam Blitzer. Uh, yeah. The yeah. So Shout out Adam. What's yeah, up? Amazing. Right. He's running such a big business right oh, now. Yeah. He's taking off. Yeah. Totally love him. And uh, he and I always met um, like as, as the Atlanta guy, like I want to just learn more about him. And then when this opportunity came, like, you know, I reached out to him. He's like, yeah, man, we'd we'll love to have you. And that really skyrocketed my personal trajectory from a career perspective to, to be part of Pardot and then Exact Target and then immediately got a sales force. And I learned so much about thinking big. Mm. And, and perception is what really marketing is all about, is what, what kind right. of perceptions you're creating, what Mark Benioff did behind the scenes to come up with a one cohesive message for the entire organization uh, and rally everybody around it. I mean, it was watching a magic, like a, like a showman kind of thing, right? Right. Man, what an experience to be at Pardot, to get in at Pardot. By the way, I don't know if that was the VP of marketing job, but I applied to that completely unqualified just because I love Pardot so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just apply. It's yeah. But, um, but yeah, to be there, you know, at the center of all the action, the acquisition, you know, things, all these things happening must've been a great, you know, learnings for you for when you eventually went to do Terminus. Yeah, no doubt, man. The two, the lesson I learned was this, uh, when I was at Pardot and the exact target acquisition happened, the, my, my new manager from exact target said, Hey, look, you know, imagine you're doing marketing at Pardot at one X. Now that you're part of exact target think 10 X. I'm like, okay, I can do that. And then six months later, Salesforce came and acquired exactly for $2.5 billion. And he said, hey, remember the 10X conversation? <laughs> I'm on it. He's like, no, no, no. Think 100X. Now 100X. You're so it, it, what he was trying to help me understand is that it's not the money that you spend. It's the perception of your customers about you and your brand that matters. That's cool. More. And how do you create that is really what I think I brought to Terminus is like, we're not going to be just a tech company based in Atlanta we're going to change some things here. And that's mm -hmm. really led to a lot of the movement and the thinking um, that we have tried to do. Man, and, and this really gets into that accidental evangelist because, you know, you're at Pardot and then I know you were, you're cooking on the idea with yeah. Terminus. And I don't know if you remember this, but we actually had a phone call once where you bounced the name of Terminus off me and yeah. Walking Dead had just happened. <laughs> just gone to terminus and you i'm gonna call it terminus so I, I was like no don't do that that's where yeah. all the zombies eat yeah. the, the humans but clearly you listen to me <laughs> and i'm doing great uh but tell me how how did this all go down you know this this journey to being this evangelist for this movement for real yeah. marketing and also for this company that you're growing at the same time yeah i mean it, it, all accidental like everything yeah. is accidental in that right i mean literally um you know you, you think about uh, started the company uh, with two co-founders. They already had started the company six months okay. prior to joining. Got it. So that's why I was looking at it. And they both were technology co-founders. So when I came on board um, or was looking at it, I said, well, if you do this, this, and this, this is account-based marketing. And they're like, oh, <laughs> this thing is account-based marketing. just like in grad school. Yeah, 
and, and they're like, there's no such thing. And I wrote about all of these experiences on LinkedIn as they happened. So it's all like, because I wanted to document this. Yeah. All stuff. So it was fun. And they said, the laptop. And, and, and I said, no, this is, there, it is the new way of doing things. And he's yeah. like, and I'm like, if you do that, I'll buy. He's like, well, why don't you come and help us and sell this? That was the shocker. That's why I say I'm not an entrepreneur because I'm, I'm, I'm a fake entrepreneur. Like I, I joined a couple of folks who already built incredible stuff. And what I came and did was turn that into a, help them figure out what that product is and the movement to support and drive this. But reality, right? I don't know if I would have just started with zero. So I give a lot, yeah. a lot of credit to them for what they have done to allow me to be what I do. Um, and, and, and they just built an incredible backend that I, that was just awesome to see. I said, just rearrange some few of these things and these are going to be amazing. And that really started on the journey. So I remember the first customer that uh, me and my co-founder were on. And uh, did you ever tell you that story about the first no. customer? No, first customer, Terminus? Yeah, like real quick, Gretchen, uh, her name. And she's still our customer. And she was on a call with us me and my co-founder Eric and we were talking to her and we were so passionate about and excited about uh about it yeah about it that uh, we we're ready to go and incredibly what happened was that that person Gretchen was saying hey you know what we're ready to um, you know we this sounds great we're ready to buy and I'm like well, well uh, that's great and she's like how much is it for and then <laughs> so we had to mute the phone ask each other like so <laughs> Or he said, do the marketer figure it out. I said, all right, 250 bucks. And I'm like, okay, let's do 250 bucks. And unmute and say, hey, 250 bucks. She's like, yeah, sure. That's what our first customer. Wow, dude. Yeah. Dude, I, I'm sure you got a million stories like this. I, I know you got to go. Yeah. Um, but hey, give me, some, give me some links. You know, throw them out there for people so they can follow up. Um, you got a lot of things, so a lot of links. But, you know, where can we connect with you? Twitters, all that. Totally, man. Uh, Terminus.com. Obviously, look at the product. Community is flip my funnel. I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. I love it. I post daily on LinkedIn. I feel like that's cool. a great community. So all those three places, um, I'm, I'm there. Awesome, man. We'll put it in the show notes so people can go link to those from there. Yeah. And this is great, dude. Thank you so much, man. This has been a blast. You're learning about the secret gift from grad school that now you're yeah. continuing to do. And I hope you keep pushing that accidental entrepreneur and see what happens. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. This was a blast, man. You made me think about so many old amazing memories. Thank you. Totally, totally. We'll go camping and talk about even more of them later. Let's do it. Thanks, buddy. Well, hey, everybody, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll catch you all next time. <laughs>